0: Hello, and welcome to Main Street Matters by Heart on Main Street, the podcast that stays open seven days a week. I am your host, Patrick Kaiser. I want to start out today with a major mea culpa to the town of Bay City. I placed them along the shores of Lake Superior last week. I said it, I wrote it in multiple places, and I didn't go back to confirm that that was correct. And as I'm sure you can guess, they are not on Lake Superior, which is north of Michigan's UP, the Upper Peninsula. Bay City is on the Saginaw River, which leads into the Saginaw Bay, which is on Lake Huron. I was very confidently wrong on that. Whoops. I didn't realize I made this mistake until I saw that a retailer shared an article that I had written on Facebook. I saw that there were some comments under her post, so I decided to read them. And I saw one that say something to the effect of, this is a nice article, but too bad he said that we're on the southern shore of Lake Superior as I read this and then I saw the retailer respond and saying something in like, yeah, he doesn't know our lake system, but it was still a nice article. Well, shoot. I should know the Great Lakes. I've been traveling all over the area. I grew up in the Great Lakes region. Heck, I even live on Lake Michigan. If you're not from this area, you're probably thinking, like, who cares? They're all the Great Lakes, and to an extent, you're correct. But I am also a former teacher who taught geography classes, so it's particularly embarrassing that I made this mistake. So I'm owning up to it, falling on my sword. I am sorry, Bay City, for that error. Okay, second thing before we dive into content, last week I laid out our structure for the next several podcasts. I said that this would be a recap of our most recent webinar this week, and next week would be the start of a new series that we'll be doing with a retailer as they begin their uh, retail journey, as they begin their retail store. Well, do you ever have those times when you say something and immediately know that you've bitten off more than you can chew? Yeah, this was one of those for me. As I laid out the plan, I put time permitting caveat in there and then recorded it and sent out the episode. Then I looked ahead at my week and basically said, absolutely not. There is no way I can get that done. So I'm going to be pushing that back a week. This will ensure that the recap of our webinar is actually well thought out and not rushed. Uh, I'll have good commentary on the information provided, and I'll be able to reflect on that information as opposed to just going with my gut reactions. And then we'll start our Shop Talk series on March 14th. I've already had my first interview with Kara Pleiner, and I think that you all are really going to love following along with her journey. So for today, we're going to visit some towns. We'll be back out on the road to discuss our Main Street Monday visits. I'm going to talk about two communities today, not because they're necessarily similar to each other with their selection of retail stores, their architecture, their history, events that they host, or uh, anything else that I've kind of grouped some uh, towns together in the past, but really because the stores that were there in these towns were mostly closed on Mondays. I see this from time to time, I arrive in a town and I find that a majority of the stores are just not open. I've been better about doing my research and choosing towns that are open on Mondays, but I've hit a little bit of a stretch of bad luck here with these last two towns and then actually the next one that I'm going to be talking about in a few weeks. So while I didn't get to meet as many retailers as I would have liked, these are some great downtown areas to explore. If you want to follow along visually with this, you can go to our Instagram page and check out the highlights of these towns that I will cover today. I cannot promise to cover each store in chronological order or every store that I went to, but if you want to know what these stores look like within these towns, that's a great place to check them out. The first town that we will travel to is Niles, Michigan. Niles is in southwest Michigan, just over the Indiana border. In fact, it is directly north of South Bend, Indiana. I double-checked this this time. It is a true statement. Niles is a town rich with history. Niles was named after Ezekiel Niles, who first settled the town in the 1690s with a French fort of St. Joseph that was constructed to protect the recently established Jesuit missionary that was built there. During the Revolutionary War, the fort was held by the Spanish, making it the fourth country France, Britain, Spain, and the United States to hold the fort, earning Niles the nickname the City of Four Flags. So not quite as many as Six Flags, but you know, Four Flags is pretty decent. In the mid-19th century, or the mid-1800s for those of you that are working on that conversion in your head, the town served as an integral part of the Underground Railroad which helped tens of thousands of slaves escape to Canada and gain their freedom. One thing I loved about this downtown area was how picturesque it is. From the direction I came in, you cross over the St. Joseph River, which runs all the way to St. Joseph, Michigan, really connecting our Main Street Monday universe together. From this bridge, the whole downtown area lies on a slight incline uphill. So this creates the effect where you can see the entire downtown strip along Main Street as you cross over the bridge. It really welcomes you into the area and creates this, you have arrived, moment. Along the river, there is a walkway for pedestrians and hikers to enjoy the outdoor scenery and create activities within the downtown area. Even on a pretty cold day, it was evident the beauty of this area. The historic buildings in the downtown also really struck me. Names of businesses, both former and current, are etched into the stone of the buildings. There is the old Falvey's building, right in the heart of the downtown, and the display for Thayer's Jewelry, which started in 1864 and was then eventually sold in 2011. I'm always amazed when a town has a business that started out during the American Civil War that is still in operation. While this one closed down roughly a dozen years ago, it has lasted so long and made such an impression upon the town. What that business has seen and survived is truly unfathomable. It makes me think about what businesses that open today will still be around 150 years from now and how they will have changed and evolved with their community. The late 1800s was a heyday for these downtown main street areas like Niles and so many others that I visited. The masonry work to construct them stone by stone or brick by brick is really incredible. This is something that I've truly grown to have an appreciation for as I visited 30 plus communities and learned about their downtowns. Everyone has this almost stereotyped postcard feel to them, saying to you that this is a downtown, this is what it should look like and feel like, this brings your community together. Venny's Sweet Shop was my first stop of the day. The business began in 1910, so over 100 years old, and is still running strong. Its presence is entrenched in the city with his name in stained glass above its door. It was this classic main street business structure with the big display windows out front with an inset door i visited niles a few days before valentine's day so peak season for chocolate chops and of course they were open thankfully it would have almost been a crime against business had they not been they had tremendous window displays advertising their sweets, but more than that the concept of love it's incredible how we've associated the concept of love with candy, and and chocolates in particular. The heart-shaped boxes, the sentiments of sweetness along with candy and love, even the most popular chocolate being called a kiss. The connection between love and candy is strong, and Venti's absolutely played into that with the displays and decorations. You cannot walk into or really even past the store without being reminded to pick something up for the ones that you love. I picked up some candy for my family and really for myself as well. Despite it being around 10am, I had to indulge in that ooey gooey goodness of candy. My next stop was at Earworm Records, a record store that has been in Niles for just a mere 16 years. I'm of course kidding when I say mere because 16 years is an incredible length of tenure for an independent retail store. Statistically, half are out of business within five years, and for a record store, they would have seen a whole lot of transition in the way music is consumed during this tenure. From disc to digital, now the transition back to vinyl. Earworm Records has also recently undergone a rebranding from Rumor Records, which had been inspired by its newest full-time employee, Jack. I love this rebrand, the concept of the earworm that digs into your brain and nestles there is really perfect for a record store. You want your music to make that kind of impression upon its listeners. I also think the concept of a rebrand is incredibly interesting. When a business recognizes that it needs to make a change and evolve its concept, it is a difficult thing to see within itself and something that's truly self-aware. It might take someone that comes from the outside to recognize that this needs to be done. Heart of Main Street was really founded by a conversation with the store owner who wanted to rebrand and didn't know where to go in order to make the necessary brand changes. The newly minted Earworm Records is exactly what you'd want in a local record store. It has that grungy, dark, vintage feel. It has old record players and stereo systems. It supplies its customers with nearly endless amounts of crates to peruse and explore for your next great find. In the past, I've referred to these crates within the record stores as stacks, I think because I'm taking it from a library term, because book nerd, that's me. But Jack corrected me and clued me into the culture of crate digging. Jack said that a major project that she's undertaken last year is to create a sense of organization among the chaos of the crates. Organization by genre and loose alphabetical is more difficult than you'd actually think when you buy and get donated hundreds of records at a time. Often they are just placed in crates for people to dig through and then find the gems themselves. I say loose alphabetically also because I noticed something really interesting, something that I'm sure was done on purpose. Yes, the records were placed in their appropriate section alphabetically, like Aerosmith going in the A's and the Beatles going in the B's, etc, etc. And then they might also be grouped with others from the same band. Still, they were not strictly alphabetical within their letter. The band might be found after the Beatles, but before Blondie. And this struck me as odd initially, but I realized that as I was looking for maybe something that I was interested, a a band that I was looking for, it kept me looking through the crate. If I had just been able to flip to the artist that I wanted, I would have missed out on the exploration of the other artists that existed in the same section. The idea of getting your customers to spend more time in your store has been shown to increase profits this is a simple way to get the record seeker to look at more albums spend more time within each section and really not upset them they're already wanting to hunt and dig for their preferred music if they found something else along the way there was no harm in that the last store i visited and sadly only three for this trip was danny morgan's western boutique This is the second time i visited a western store in michigan the other was in howell michigan on the surface it seems antithetical to what i think of as michigan michigan is midwest michigan is the great lakes it isn't western and cowboy right but from the conversation we had with erica kirkland of gift beat cowboy and western is so popular right now as a genre And Michigan has rural areas, while not stereotypically Western, do appeal to that style and look. So seeing this Western boutique was initially shocking. It honestly shouldn't have been, though. Danny Morgan's was really well situated within this town. The space that it occupied was absolutely perfect for this type of stores. Like many of the historic buildings in Niles, it had tin ceilings and wood floors. The wooden display pieces inside matched the natural decor of the building. The building had stained glass windows at the back that again, just seemed right for the space. And while it was a Western boutique, it really focused on the cowboy chic genre that can really be found all over the country. There were bags by Wrangler, jackets that had a Southwestern pattern on them, t-shirts with rodeo themes, religious sayings, or depictions of turquoise jewelry, cowgirl hats, all things that make you think of and remind me of a time living in cowboy country but are also not out of place here in Michigan. Another thing that I really liked about Niles was the prevalence of artwork throughout the community. I've been to many towns that have professionally painted murals adorning the downtown, and I I love this. It brings people into the area. For some cities like Dubuque, Iowa, it creates a scavenger hunt for people to find all of the artwork. In Niles, it was much more community created, not graffiti, but you could tell certain places were done by students of the local high school maybe five, 10 years ago. It was nice to have this element where the community had contributed to the beautification of the downtown. There were also some professional work sprinkled throughout the downtown and it really created a a nice mix for the area and a really great aesthetic of professional and community blending together the week following niles i traveled to seymour indiana seymour calls itself the crossroads of southern indiana because it's positioned pretty equidistant from indianapolis louisville and cincinnati The downtown itself has a state route that runs right through the middle of it as well as train tracks so in many ways everything in southern indiana runs right through seymour if you want to go from indianapolis to louisville you go through seymour trains going to and from cincinnati go through seymour it's a small town that is extremely important to the area in fact whether you know it or not you know of this small town and a very famous former resident. The singer John Mellencamp was born in Seymour, so when he sang, I was born in a small town, he was talking about this very small town. I did not know the connection to the cougar until I arrived in Seymour, but everything from a large sign that uses a musical note for the S in Seymour to a Walk of Fame-style listing of John Mellencamp, to a two-story mural of John Mellencamp with the famous refrain of the of small town painted on it lets you know that he was born here. Checking out the music video for the song, there are tons of shots of Seymour that I recognize as the downtown. There is clearly a rich connection between the artist and his hometown. As I mentioned at the opening, this small town was pretty closed down on Monday but there were several stores that opened up for me to come in and feature them, and I'm especially grateful for them for doing this. The first was called Oma and Opa's Poor House. This is a business that started just this past November. It's brand new. It is a DIY candle shop for date nights and parties. Oma and Opa means grandma and grandpa, which is the two who started the store. After a career in working in the post office, Opa retired and started up a hobby of candle making. This quickly became an online business, selling through different channels, and then with Oma's encouragement, a storefront to sell their products, but also for others to create theirs too. I love this idea. I've seen a couple of these other create-your-own-candle concepts, and I always think it's a tremendous business. It gives your customers something unique to do and something that they can take away when they're done. I've seen others incorporate a bar into their candle process where you can get drinks and make your candles. Others that have done wholesale out to other businesses in the area. OMA and OPAs is a BYO FMD, bring your own food and drink. So you can come as a date night or rent out the area as a space for a party. You start by going through the fragrance catalog and selecting your notes, and then you pick out a vessel from the options available within the store. You place your wick, you pour the fragrance and and the wax, and then you let it cool. People can either wait a couple hours for it to be ready, or they can come back later and pick it up. Essentially, the whole experience can take anywhere from 30 minutes to three hours. So it can be a great event for small or large groups to do together. You can make your own candles and then while you wait, you can eat or have a party or open presents, do an activity together, whatever you would like to do. I love businesses like this because they offer so much to the local community. Not only is it a store, but it's also an activity that is separate from a movie or eating or shopping. It can be a wholesale for other stores. It gives a place for an artisan to sell their work. There are so many purposes for a store like this. My next stop was at the Pacey Apothecary. Once again, they opened specifically for me to come in. It was so kind. I know the owner had to arrange someone to look after their child for the time that I was in their store. So again, I'm incredibly grateful that they did this. The name apothecary i generally think of something almost approaching a pharmacy but maybe not as pharmaceutical forward i usually think of selling skin products essential oils soaps something to benefit the body maybe that's my impression from the rose apothecary but i've generally seen this to be true the pacey apothecary has those items but also takes a different spin on the term to represent women's health and well-being They feature women artisans, they make their own jewelry there, they have women's groups that come and meet within the store, they offer services for women. They're truly very focused on being by women and for women. Now, I can describe the store, but I think it'd be better if you heard from the owner, Tanya. So this is a recording of the tour that she gave me. She'll refer to some things throughout the store, but you can get an idea of the store and how she describes it.
1: My name is Tanya Pacey. This is the Pacey Apothecary. We are a shop that's not only a gift shop but we also do uh, women's circles every Wednesday. We do a free rack for people in need. Anything that is donated to our shop and we can sell. We sell for five dollars and we keep free plan b back in the back for you so if you need it just come in and say can I use your restroom. Um, We also have a lot of local artists in here. Everything from macrame and crochet art over here we make all of our own self-care products in house a lot of it is around anti-anxiety and people that need something whenever they're out in public if a lot of people have that problem when they're in public getting anxious or feeling crowded these right here are like breathe relief empath all of these products are for people like that and then over here we have Uh, We have an illustrator artist as well, Megan Fisher, she does great. We have a henna person that makes their own henna, so it's very good quality. Um, We have various um, sage, Dragon's Blood sage, Palo Santo, different cleansing stuff, fun sunglasses, a whole bunch of candles. We also do intention candles. Um, All of the jewelry over here is handmade. We take and press real flowers and make all of these little pieces here. And then we also do them in moon phases that you can hang with all the pretty stuff in it. I also take people's funeral flowers and make custom orders as well with these. Over here, we have a couple local authors. Mandy is from Louisville, Sky Nicholson, she's from Columbus. We also like to keep stock of like a little, little bit of books in here. It's not our main focus um we have really cute little purses like everything mushroom themed we're in love with i also flip furniture so all that's going to be turned around over here is magpie mindy she does a lot of hemp jewelry and really cute bracelets and charms so yeah thank you so much i hope you guys come in and say hello and welcome to our space
0: Another store that I visited in Seymour was Castle Games, which was established in 2020. This is a store that features board games and products for Dungeons & Dragons, Magic the Gathering, and Pokemon. They have a full calendar of events that they host for people to come in and play games at. This seems like such a small thing, but it really plays a big part in the community. Again, like Opas, people want to do things within their downtown. As I look at the future of downtowns, there needs to be something more than just shopping and eating to bring people into the area. I always look at what events are being hosted and how they're appealing to the community. What activities are they giving the customers? And Castle Games does this well. There's a huge community of gaming nerds, and I'd say that in the nicest way possible, who love this. While I was in the store, it was midday on a Monday, there were people that were looking at products. There was also a room rented out where a group had a gathering to play Dungeons and Dragons with each other. I could hear them through the door, telling the story and getting excited. This was an amazing community experience. And I love that Castle Games provides this as an outlet for them. Not to sound too old man-y, but doing things in person is wonderful. We do so much online and having a place where you can go and meet with people who have similar interests to you and you get to nerd out with them over something that you love is so beneficial. I am happy that places like Castle Games exist. I was also able to visit a gift store and a music shop while in Seymour. I don't really have a ton to say about them. Heart's Desire appears to do a good business with personalization of items. It's a good service for people of the community. They offer a wide variety of products and many, many SKUs, but I'd guess that personalization is probably the main core of their business. 13th floor music really drew me in by having a speaker outside of the store that projected music out into the street. I was very intrigued by this. Inside, they had a lot of music-related apparel and goods. They also kind of went against the growing trend of having records and still had a large CD and DVD collection in the inventory. And, well, that's all I really have to say about that. I wish I had visited these communities on a different day other than Monday. I think I would have seen a lot more of a vibrant commercial sector. But each had its own great, unique charm and character. Next week, I will discuss my conversation with Kathy Donovan-Wagner of Retail Mavens about how retailers can create more profit within their stores. If you didn't attend the webinar, I think you will really like the information that Kathy provides, and hopefully I can provide some good commentary as well. I hope you enjoyed our road trip to Niles, Michigan and Seymour, Indiana as much as I enjoyed bringing it to you. This episode is written, produced, researched, and edited by me, Patrick Heiser. Today's episode is also brought to you by our sponsor, the podcast Rooted in Retail by Crystal Volkaitis. This is a podcast dedicated to helping the independent retail community navigate an ever-changing retail landscape. Weekly, Crystal features amazing guests from in and around the retail industry to provide insights on how to build a better business. She is also hosting her annual Evolve conference this April in Denver. I strongly recommend you attending. There are incredible speakers and there's sure to be some fantastic content to be shared to help you grow your business. You can use the links in this episode's show notes in order to register for the conference. I hope to see you all there. Thank you so much. Have a great week. Shop local and I will see you next time.